now, Lord, we pray, speak to our souls today. Well, this is why we've come, dear Lord. We're ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass, but God, your word will forever last. Lord, we are ready for your word. Father, we thank you and we bless you this day for the work of your Holy Spirit. We admit and confess to you that you are in charge, we are not. So we ask you to do what you decide to do, to bless your people this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I don't know if you've ever been around or had an opportunity to look at a construction site for what we would call a skyscraper. But if you have ever been to a construction site for a skyscraper, uh, one thing that will become apparent very quickly is that it has to go down a long way. In other words, when that foundation is dug and eventually laid, uh, someone has said that it has to go down as deep as it goes up. You cannot put a skyscraper on a shallow foundation. A deep foundation must be laid to handle a tall building. And my brothers and my sisters, if you are going to handle life and if you are going to get to the place that you say God wants you to get to, then I need you to know God has to lay a solid foundation for you. And he can't do great things through a Christian that has a shallow foundation. Uh, that foundation must be deep. That sound foundation must be secure. That foundation has to be in place in a way that it can never, ever uh, be questioned as to whether or not that building is going to be able to stand. Today, I want to continue our look at the Joy Campaign. The Joy Campaign is a series that we have started that looks at how to live a joy-filled life in a trouble-filled world. And we're walking through the book of Philippians, and we're laying the foundation in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And so today, I want to uh, conclude the first part of this message the foundations for a joy-filled life. The foundations for a joy-filled life. 
Now, the book of Philippians is an interesting book. It is literally a compilation of Paul's greatest hits. When you think about some of the most powerful passages in the word of God, those that you have committed to memory, many of them are in the book of Philippians. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I mean, over and over again, powerful passages. And we're taking a walk through the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians that has been considered to be by many the joy book, because 16 times in four chapters, the word joy or rejoice is shown and is spoken of in this book. The book of Philippians was written somewhere between 60 AD and 63 AD by the Apostle Paul. It's considered a prison epistle because it was written while he was in prison. He writes to the church at Philippi. The city of Philippi was a, a powerful strategic location. It was a city that was located on the Ignatian Way. It was the road that led between Europe and Asia. Everybody on their way to Rome would take that Ignatian Way. And if you were leaving and going towards Asia, you would have to pass the city of Philippi. It was a strategic place in order to plant a church, in order to spread the gospel around the world. And the Apostle Paul writes to this church at Philippi. He writes to this church for several reasons, but one of the reasons that he writes to this church is to thank them for their support and help throughout his ministry. They, they saw Paul as the missionary that God called him to be, and they supported that work and supported that ministry. They didn't go themselves, but they supported the Apostle Paul in carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we get to Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Paul, I believe, gives us the foundation for the joy that he will speak about throughout this book and the joy that you and I should have as believers. First thing I want to share with you as we just go back through these first two messages, uh, you need to understand and define yourself by whose you are, not what you have. If you're going to have a proper foundation for joy, you, you've got to know whose you are and not define yourself by what you have. Look at what Paul says in verse 1. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. Uh, Philippians 1.1, the ESV translation says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. That word slave, uh, servant in the ESV translation, the word doulos, uh, bond servant. Um, whether you enter into this servitude willingly or unwillingly, you serve at the pleasure of your master. You serve to please your master. You recognize that you are a servant and you are to be subservient to the one you are serving. That, that word pictures not just a position, but also a posture, not just an action, but also an attitude, the attitude of a servant. Now, let's be honest. 
when we think of the word servant, most of us would rather talk about it than live it. When we hear the word servant, we hear the word slave, we, we bristle at that idea or concept. But, but God says that's how we are to relate to him. And the truth of the matter is, most of us, we are servants. We're just not all servants of God. Most of us are slaves. We're not just all slaves to God. There are those of you who are watching right now who are slaves to a position, who are slaves to a person. In other words, everything that you do is about pleasing and or keeping that position or that person. And the Lord says, no, let me show you something about who you are serving. He says, you've got to make sure you are serving me and not the things of this world. Jesus says, no man can have two masters. He will either love one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, you can't serve God and money. Boy, I wish I could put a cord in the meter and park right there for a second because let me be honest with you, we're hearing politicians make decisions and you don't have to question who their God is. It's very clear who their God is because they value things and money over people. And that's where many people are today. We love things and we use and despise people instead of loving people and learning how to use things. Paul says, I'm a servant. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. And, and what's amazing to me is in all of the letters that Paul writes, much of the time, most of the time, he announces himself based on his ecclesiastical standing in the church. He, he's an apostle. He's, he's a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's an overseer. He's, he's an elder. But, but here he uses none of those titles to define or declare who he is. He simply says, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. I'm a servant of God. Listen to me carefully. You can't have joy when you're a slave to what you have. You can't have joy when you're a slave to what you own. You can't be a joyful Christian when you are a slave of the position you hold. Because what happens when the position is gone? What happens when the things are gone? See, the truth of the matter is you need to be a slave to Jesus Christ. You need to be a servant to Jesus Christ. You don't serve to get stuff. You serve because God has blessed you so much. And when you are a slave to cars, cash, commodities, and creature comforts, none of those things will bring you joy. They can bring you moments of happiness, but they cannot bring you joy. And the reason I say that is because joy is independent of what you're going through and what you have. Those things will pass away. But the joy of the Lord shall last you forever. Second thing we talked about is the fact that you need to realize you are secure in God's family. You are secure in God's family. The B part of verse 1, Paul says, I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus. And, and there's a wonderful, wonderful uh, familial illustration that the apostle Paul shares. Um, you, you remember when, when God talks about our relationship with him there are two pictures he gives. Uh, he talks about the church being the bride of Christ. And then he talks about us being adopted into the family of God. 
And I believe God uses those two pictures because he wants us to understand that the relationship we have with God is not a relationship by chance, it's a relationship by choice. You see, in our dealings with each other, there are two relationships that are by choice, marriage and adoption. All other relationships in terms of familiar relationships are by chance. You don't know who your mom and daddy was going to be. You don't, you don't know. That's by chance who your siblings are. That's by chance. But he says when you are married, that's a choice that you make to enter into that covenant. And when you adopt, adoption is so powerful. I remember when I was a kid, you would make fun of somebody if you thought they were adopted. And what we failed to realize was adoption was the highest form of love that could be shown between a parent and a child because watch this when a child was adopted that child was chosen by that adult and that choice is irrevocable it cannot be put aside or put asunder Paul says you're a saint you're part of the holy people of God what do you mean he says well you are a saint. You, you are not uh, an idol. You are not somebody who has performed any miracles or anything like that. No, you are a saint because you have been literally set apart. You have been consecrated by God. You are a saint positionally in that you are sanctified because of the blood of Jesus. You are a saint progressively because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, molding you, shaping you, and making you into what he wants you to be. And you are a saint eventually, eternally. When this mortal puts on immortality and this corruption puts on incorruption, we will walk into our permanent joy in the Lord and live with him forever. Let me share with you the last in this little series, The Foundation for a Joy-Filled Life. Here it is. You need to realize the Lord makes grace and peace available to you. If you are going to have a good foundation and that foundation for a joy-filled life is a foundation that you can build your life upon, you need to understand that the Lord makes grace and peace available to you. It's right here in the text. Look at what it says in verse 2, Philippians chapter 1. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to be a Christian who lives a joy-filled life in a trouble-filled world, you need to recognize and live out of the grace and the peace that the Lord makes available to you. You can't have joy without understanding the importance of grace and peace in your foundation. Just like you can't mix a concrete mix without having cement and sand, without having those key elements in that composition. You've got to have grace and peace and recognize the presence of grace and peace and live out of the grace and peace that God makes available to you in order to have a foundation of joy upon which to build your life. 
you know the word grace, uh, the unmerited, undeserved favor and blessings of God. It, it's, when, it's when God gives to us uh, what we don't deserve. Mercy is when God doesn't give to us what we do deserve. Grace is when God gives to us what we don't deserve. Paul says, uh, grace unto you. Uh, you don't deserve God's favor. You've done nothing to earn God's approval and God's blessings. But God blesses you anyway. He gives it to you by his grace. And, and here's what I need somebody to know. If you have gotten to the place that you start thinking you deserve the blessings in your life, God has a way of getting your attention to remind you that it's by his grace. God will let you know in no uncertain terms that you are where you are by the grace of God. Yeah, by the grace of God. See, we deserve nothing from God except judgment, condemnation, and punishment. But, but the love of God is so perfect that he gives us grace. He gives us grace. Forgiveness is an act of grace. And, and I need somebody to know, thank you, Lord, I need you to know right now that, that grace is not just a New Testament concept. There was grace even in the Old Testament over and over again. You see the unmerited favor of God exhibited in the Old Testament. Grace is evident throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. It's a grace story. Because listen to me, even when the law was king, the law still couldn't be kept. It was still the grace of God that provided a way for us to know him. By faith. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believe, the New Living Translation says. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. First Timothy chapter one, beginning at verse 14, let's read it together. And the grace, unmerited favor, and blessings of our Lord actually flowed out super abundantly and beyond measure for me, accompanied by faith and love that are to be realized in Christ Jesus. The grace of God, the favor, the blessings of the Lord flowed out super abundantly and beyond measure for me. And whether you realize it or not, listen, every one of us, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you have, I don't care where you went to school, every one of us who have named the name of Jesus, listen to me carefully, are living out of that super abundant, beyond measure grace. Because without that super abundant and beyond measure grace, 
even at your best, you are still nothing but filthy rags before God. It is all by his grace. You know, I was, uh, I was watching a documentary on, on uh, bodybuilders. And, and it was interesting because they would, they would compete against each other in their weight class. And then the winners of the individual weight classes would compete against the other winners. And what was interesting to me was that whoever was identified as the favorite, everybody would want to stand and pose next to them. They, they wanted to stand and pose next to the person who was supposed to be the favorite so they can show how much they had. Now, let me tell you what we do, children of God. We don't stand against the best. We typically find somebody that we know we look better than. That's who we stand next to. So we can say, if not to anybody out loud in our own spirit, well, I know I'm not as good as somebody, but I'm better than they are. I know I've done better than when if you really want to stand next to somebody and determine whether or not you are where you should be stand next to Jesus. And when you stand next to Jesus, you will discover how much grace you really need. Don't pick another falling, failing, fragile saint to stand next to. Don't stand next to somebody that you deem to be a hypocrite. No, stand next to Jesus. And when you stand next to him, you'll find out how much grace you have really needed in life. But he said, not only have I given you grace, Paul says, I also wish for you peace. Uh, the word peace there, irene, means to be bound, joined together, or woven with God. He, he says, I, I want you to have, look at what he says, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a sense of a consciousness, a, a knowledge that, that when you have peace from God, watch this, and, and the peace from God is available only after you have peace with God. When you have peace with God because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, then you can have the peace from God that you need to live the life that you need to live. And God will give you peace, and, and that peace will, will provide for you. It will guide you. It will strengthen you. It will sustain you. Uh, it will encourage you. It will deliver you. It will save you. It will give you life more abundantly, the peace of God. Here's the powerful thing about this peace that comes from Christ and why this grace and peace is really, they are key ingredients to you building a good foundation for a joy-filled life. Listen to me carefully. Neither one of them come from you. Neither one of them can be earned by you and neither one of them come from the things of this world. Listen to me carefully. If you are missing grace and peace in your life, 
then I submit to you that you have not been looking to the right source for your grace and peace. Because grace and peace cannot come from anything in this world. See, the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God has to come from God. But the peace from God, by its very definition, by its very syntactical construct, this peace comes from God. There is no peace, lasting peace, that can come from the world. It has to come from God because this is a peace that passes all understanding. This is a peace on the inside that establishes itself in your spirit no matter what's going on around you on the outside. Now, just in case you don't believe me, watch this. You can have peace all around you and be in turmoil in your spirit because the peace on the outside won't guarantee the production of peace on the inside but conversely if you have peace on the inside the peace from God on the inside can keep you no matter what's going on around you and you can test it yourself. I mean, you can go to some points in your life where you had some stressful times, some times of turmoil, some times of chaos, catastrophe, and, and somebody may have come up to you and said, well, you sure seem calm. It was the peace from God that they couldn't understand because it was supernatural and divine in its origin. Look at John chapter 14, beginning at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed, and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. I tell you, I like that amplified version. It just gets all in your business, right? Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Why? Because I have made available for you, not just any old peace, my peace. Paul says the peace from God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What peace? This peace. The peace that Jesus says I provide for you as my believer. I give you a peace not as the world gives it. I give you a whole nother peace. I had somebody one time ask me, say, how you doing? This is years ago. Say, how you doing? And I said, oh, man, I'm hanging in there. And they said, stop hanging in there. Learn how to rest in him. So I started picking up that mantra. How you doing? Man, I'm hanging in there. Man, learn how to rest in him. Learn how to rest in him. Learn how to exercise. Learn how to lean into. Learn how to lay on the peace that God provides for you. John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world... You have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer. 
take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Some of you who are Bible readers, the Bible says in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. The word tharseo, be of good cheer. Listen to me carefully. Don't grin it and bear it. Have peace because the victory is already yours. Be of good cheer. Every time the Lord says be of good cheer in the scriptures, he speaks in a situation where people would be afraid, where people would normally be stressed out, where people would normally be dealing with anxiety. And when he says be of good cheer, he's saying the victory is already yours. Have peace. And let me help somebody today. You can't have joy if you don't have peace. You can't have joy if you don't recognize the grace of God moving in your life. Because I'm telling you, when you recognize the power and the place that the grace of God and the peace of God have in your life, let me tell you something. The grace of God and the peace of God remind you that you're not God and he is God. The grace of God and the peace of God in your life remind you that you have somebody bigger than you are looking out for you, protecting you, watching over you, making a way for you. You have somebody bigger than any enemy that can come against you. The Apostle Paul says if you're going to lay a good foundation for your life, if you're going to have a good foundation for a joy-filled life, define yourself by whose you are, not what you have. Define yourself by your relationship and your position in Jesus, not in the gathering of stuff and things that quickly will fade away. Realize you are securing God's family. That once you accept Christ, you are part of God's holy family. You've been adopted into the family, family, and it will not be taken back. And the third part, realize the Lord makes grace and peace available to you. Now, can I tell you the saddest thing in life, I think? One of the saddest things is to be a joyless Christian. One of the saddest things in life, to be a joyless Christian. And you know how you end up being a joyless Christian? By not recognizing the foundation that God has provided for you to build your life on. See, if you're still trying to find your self-worth out of your net worth, and you're still trying to please people, and you're still trying to love things, then you are living like those who don't know Jesus. God says, man, my grace and my peace is available for you. And the grace that saved you is the grace that will sustain you. It's the grace that will keep you day by day. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for today. And we pray now that everything that we have 
done and everything that we have said has been pleasing in your sight. I pray now, God, that you have encouraged somebody and helped somebody uh, to know without question that you are the source of our grace and the peace that we need to live a joy-filled life. For somebody, God, who may have relinquished that position or posture of understanding the joy that you have made available for them, I pray, God, that they would reclaim it now. That they would focus on the grace that you have provided and the peace that you have made available. For somebody, God, in the midst of this pandemic, we have been stripped of the things we thought were important. Like the bark being stripped off of trees about to go to the lumber mill. God, help us to reset and refocus our lives. Live out of the grace and the peace that you have provided. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. Before we go, I want to make sure that you know Jesus in the pardon of your sins. I want to make sure that you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There are two kinds of people in the world, people who need Jesus and people who know Jesus. If you know him, then my prayer is that we can help you grow in him grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, help you to work out your soul salvation so that your life you live will be pleasing to him. But if you need the Lord, I want to help you today come to know him. I want to offer you an opportunity today to pray the prayer of salvation. And it's a very simple prayer. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised them from the dead, you shall be saved. Um, there's nothing magical, mysterious, or mystical about these words. It's simply a confession with your mouth, but not just a confession with your mouth. You must believe in your heart. And the Bible says if you do that, you shall be saved. Not perfect, saved. Not 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 going ready for heaven, but on your way, right? You, 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 you're now a work in progress and, and God can work on you and mold you and shape you, but you first have to become his child. Now I know what somebody's thinking. You're thinking, well, well, well preach, I'm already God's child. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in John chapter one, around that 12th verse, he came unto his own and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. One writer said it like this, the son of God became the son of man that the sons and daughters of men could become the sons and daughters of God to give us an opportunity to have eternal life. I want you to pray this prayer with me if you feel so led, if you'd like to ask the Lord into your life, if you'd like to recommit yourself to the Lord, if you are unsure of your salvation, 1 John says you should know that you have eternal life. 
And I want to give you an opportunity to know. And listen to me carefully. It's not based on feelings. It's based on faith. That's what it's based on. I don't want you to say, well, I don't feel any different. No, it's not about you feeling different. It's about you making up in your mind to live different by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Repeat this prayer after me if you feel so led. And my prayer is that you would pray it and mean it from your heart. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I want to turn away from my sinful life and live the life you have planned for me. Please forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my past and make me new. I believe Jesus Christ died for me. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And at this very moment, I accept, confess, and proclaim Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior to live in my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We count it as done. If you believed it in your heart, we believe that heaven is rejoicing right now because of the decision that you made. Now listen to me carefully. Before you tune us out, I want you to make sure if you just ask the Lord into your life, make sure you go to our website, go to our app, and I want you to click on the button, I just accepted Christ. There are five recommendations there that I have put together to encourage you along the way. Now that you are part of the family of God, I want you to know God has a plan for your life. God wants to do something wonderful in your life, and you have to now make some steps. Nothing hard, nothing difficult, but God wants to get you on the road to becoming all that God wants you to be. Again, thank you for being with us. We appreciate your love, appreciate your support. I'm praying for you that God will use this ministry to encourage your heart to help you to become all that he wants you to be. Don't forget, God is doing something wonderful in your life. You may not see it right now, but I dare you to trust him. I dare you to try him. I dare you to believe it. And if you let God have his way, he will do something that will literally blow your mind. I promise you, he's done it for me. He'll do it for you as well. Until next time, God bless you. That's my prayer to the good old family.